episode 17 of the red hawk recap um if you want to support the podcast like and subscribe to the page or there's a ton of extra content on the patreon.com slash red hawk academy uh techniques going up every week full monday vlog vlog the full day home pads for sugar um teaching my classes and uh that's where i where i communicate with people most i get a fuckload of messages on the instagram but the people I communicate with are on Patreon, so if you want to support it, then check out Patreon. But uh, I'm here with my uh, my brother, my bud. We've been friends for a while. My boy uh, Rob Emerson, he's been around the game for a fucking long time. Cause how old are you now? Uh, I just turned forty last July. And then you've been in it for how long? How long were you doing martial arts just for a living? Um, I had my first pro fight. I think uh, two thousand, two thousand one. So I. Uh, I remember I was uh, locked up actually for some street fights when I was 19, and then I had my 20th birthday. I remember in there, um, and then uh, when I got out, three weeks after I got out, I got offered to fight Jens Pulver right after he beat BJ for the first ever lightweight world title. So 2001 was your first pro fight. Yeah, yeah. I was fucking 11 years old then. But back then, they were probably doing pro fights just like every fight's a pro fight, right? Um, yeah, that's crazy. Everyone asks me, oh, how much, uh, you know, about the amateur circuit? Like, it's kind of new to me. I'm kind of a uh, green when it comes to that because the amateur circuit wasn't really established back then. It was um, basically if you got fought and got paid any amount, um, then you became, uh, you know, you're a pro or whatever. So it was a lot different now where guys kind of build and work their way up through the, you know, amateur circuit. And then... Fuck yeah. Dude, so you've been, you've been around. So you've been um, a part of probably quite a few teams, huh? Yeah, fuck, I've been around on a, uh, a lot of good teams. Um, yeah, out there in, or- in Orange County, there was a really strong MMA circuit out there. Um, I was at uh, Team Oyama. I started off with Marco Ruas. was the first um, um, MMA gym. Actually, the first ever MMA gym in California was a place called Extreme University. And that, mm-hmm. that was down in Southern Orange County. And then after that, I went training at Marco Ruas. And then a little bit of Chris Brennan over at Next Generation. And then um, my first major team I was part of was um, uh, Team Oyama, and I was there for about eight years or so, seven, eight years. Yeah, that's been a stacked team for a while, but n- and now now it's like, okay, starting to get into coaching, which how fucking lucky are we that we can just do martial arts now for a living? Like, there's a lot of fighters out there that are like, after fighting, they, they're not good at communicating with people or learning the psychology of different athletes and how to coach different athletes. So they're, so it's going to be hard for them to become coaches. So it's like, I just feel so lucky that I'm able to not, not be fighting right now and still make a living through martial arts. Like it's fuck. I'm lucky as fuck. And same for you. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you're right. I think coaching takes a certain personality and a certain, um, fighters IQ, you know, and, um, and um, it's different. It's uh, some some guys are are better coaches than they are fighters, and some guys are better fighters than they are coaches. But mm-hmm. um, I'm uh, fascinated, completely fascinated with the whole mental side of um, you know these these violent sports. Um, the psychology of it is is, is fa- fascinating to me, and it's cool that I get to you know delve in and learn about this stuff now from a perception of a coach, 
as opposed to the uh, perception of a fighter and you know fear and all that stuff and and, and mindset was something I always struggled with as mm -hmm. an athlete you know always doubting myself even though I, I never got tired I never got killed I've never lost a drop of blood in fighting in the most violent sport in the world for 20 years yeah. what the fuck do I have to be fucking fearful of or nervous about yeah you know and I, mean? I I think I think people have this crazy confidence until they start getting a few losses and they understand what can happen and they understand like damn i felt great that day ever the fight camp went perfect and it, the fight went fucking horrible so once you start realizing that the way shit can go in a fight it's like i think i don't know i don't know of a guy that hasn't dealt with that with that's had losses all the undefeated guys they're fucking confident they're not scared they're ready to go but once you get a handful of losses underneath you things start changing a little bit mentally. It's interesting, huh? Yeah, and, and, and why they're losing. You know, like, um, are they... Like, for me, I got so comfortable with losing because I lost so many decisions, you know. But, um, again, I never got beat up. All the guys that beat me, you know, on points, kind of laying and praying on top of me or whatever, they were all beat up, busted up, fucking, you know, blood everywhere. And mm -hmm. if it was a street fight, I, I, I would have won that fight, you know what I mean? And I Or guess, no time limit. Yeah, or no time limit. Yeah, that's what I loved about pride in that whole, whole, whole era back then. But that was like kind of my mindset going through my era of, of um, you know, MMA, and now it's cool because I got to try to step back and maybe educate, you know, some of the younger guys, and maybe just share my story with them a little bit, and hopefully it'll empower them, you know. Yeah, it's fucking, it, it it's too too fun. It's too fun. So you did you go down and have training camps with BJ Penn? Were, were you yeah. there training with him? What was his training schedule like? I, I've heard from a, a few guys that like. It was awesome in Hawaii, but the training wasn't super hard. Yeah, I can say that. And the training wasn't super hard. Um, they were very um, intellectual about how they had their camps. Um, like I said, I met BJ doing the Ultimate Fighter show uh, with him. We became really good friends with that. And then Jason Perillo shortly after that. Um, actually, when I left Timoyama's gym, I went to go train over at Ruka with Jason. I was there with him for like seven years or you know, more or so. And Damn, seven years? Yeah, and then... With training with him, we'd go train up at the Black House and get some good sparring in with like Jose Aldo and you know Pedro Munoz and all those guys, and you know have a lot of guys come down and just connections with the sports, you know what I mean? So I got to um, acquire a lot of knowledge, you know, training oh, with you yeah, know Timo and 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 Perillo and now over at the lab, and it's cool because I've just been collecting data basically the last twenty years. Oh fuck and yeah. it's, uh, it's cool now. Like you said, now we get to you know use that data from a coach's perspective and 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 give it back and and give back like the truth of martial arts, which is fucking lucky. Yeah, yeah. Hawaii was fun though. Um, they were good on not breaking the body down, and it was cool to see an intelligent perspective on training um, with BJ and those guys. And um, like yeah, I was I, I've done a few camps with them. I, I was there his full last camp as well when he fought Clay Guida, and Diego Sanchez was out there as well. And uh, our other friend Pedro, who just won a, on the Ultimate uh, Contender Series, but um, and then is that where you kind of got in contact with uh with Cyborg Chris Cyborg through Perillo? Um, no, I, I met Cyborg uh, way back in the day, frick, like ten years ago. Um, I was uh, running Tito's gym back in Huntington Beach, and just met them through them because Tito actually started managing her, and um, I just kind of held pads for her, and we had a really good chemistry, um, pad wise and training wise, and then I started helping her with her nutrition and her weight cuts, so. She probably really liked your kind of Muay Thai style too. Yeah, yeah, because we did a lot of conditioning and then, you know, Thai style. And I don't really have a traditional Thai style of fighting. It's more, I was raised upon like the more Dutch style fighting because Marco Huas was, was good friends with like uh, Peter Ayers and all those guys. Mm. And a lot of the K1 Golden Era guys would come down and train at Marco's gym. And I was always fascinated with the K1 era then. And so I li really liked the Dutch style kickboxing, just grabbing one hand for a knee instead of both. And 
I think this that style with a higher guard implements well for MMA. You know, it's mm-hmm. a difference. The guys in glory, they have a little bit higher guard and they're a little bit closed. Mm-hmm. Muay Thai fighting is a little bit more open. They got elbows and shit they can throw. Mm-hmm. And this style is uh, different, but I think their Dutch style is more applicable for MMA. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and just like, it's, I feel like it's so important for a fighter to kind of re- figure out what style they're going to use. Like Sugar, he's got this kind of like a boxing, karate, taekwondo-ish style. Like if you would have ran into a coach early on that was like, no, we're doing Muay Thai. This yeah. is how you strike. You don't strike that way. Yeah. And, and it, who knows how the career would have went, you know. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty uh, It's pretty fun finding those athletes and kind of figuring out what style is going to be best for this guy. Yeah, the slow twitch guys compared to the fast twitch guys, and then the the different tactics going into the fight. It it, it it's fun as a coach figuring that out. Fuck yeah, I think I think no style is the best. You know, and like Bruce Lee said it best, be like water. You know, I think that's the best. You know, uh, concepts have no style. Being able to adjust in every milli moment of that fight. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, yeah, some guys obviously are better wrestlers, better strikers, and they can implement their you know their their wild card, but. I think Shook has that, the golden ticket as to where it's hard to figure him out. He's mm-hmm. elevating so much every fight, and it's hard for the next opponent to kind of figure him out and train for that. So, yeah, that, yeah, that's definitely a, a a plus for him that not many there's not many guys out there that are going to be able to mimic his style and mimic how good his balance is southpaw and how good his balance is orthodox. You know, after he misses shots, after he gets hit, after he's juking around, like he's his balance from both stances is so fucking good. That's so important that you said that, dude. That's the most important thing. When guys switch the opposite stance, balance should be the first thing they boom. Like, mm-hmm. cause that's a big. You learn to balance yourself before you walk as a baby. Mm-hmm. And anyone that's even gone skateboarding or so, you try to surf or skate or snowboard opposite stance, it's awkward. It's weird. Yeah. It's the same thing for fighting. And um, yeah, I think it starts off at that basics, like balance. Yeah, you know, and uh, just doing ladder drills and stuff in my opposite stance and shadow boxing. I busted my right hand. I remember, and um, I'm like, "Fuck, I'm out for a while." And instead of getting bummed out on myself, I started doing everything with my left hand. I started brushing my teeth with my left hand. I'm um, eating with my left hand, mm-hmm. and I noticed that my nervous system kind of um, started upgrading, and I started getting really good at at, at southpaw. And now I literally go back and forth. Um, between both stances on my left side is just as good as my orthodox side so yeah it's badass yeah someone who's just got a crazy fucking just mindset cannoneer what's it like coaching what's what's been your favorite athlete to coach and like and why like why are they your favorite athlete to coach but also like some of those athletes are have such good crazy mindsets but the athletes that don't have the strongest mindset that's like the more of a challenge as a coach to be able to get their confidence up um and to be able to work them through some of those battles and then they win that's yeah. kind of a fun challenge too but someone like jared what's his mindset like he's just fucking ice cold isn't he um yeah his his mindset is like um unlike anyone else i've worked with in this sport and um i have a hard time like um even saying oh coach i think more i'm more of a teammate to these guys you know over at the lab we've got a lot of minds over there so yeah for me it's like um i, I don't I don't want to put myself even on a coach's pedestal. I, I want to be part of the team, part of the family, and help everyone grow. And I'm I'm blessed to work with a mind like Jared, and mm-hmm. it's so awesome to um, to co-create with him because he's a dude, an expansive mind. You hear him talk about all of his all all the stuff he's into, and um, it's crazy. Uh, I only really care to you know have intelli- intelligent conversations with these guys. Yeah, uh, and um, I have some crazy wild conversations with Jared. Mindset yeah, is sure. the most important thing when it comes to this game, especially at that level. 
and um, he has it figured out. You know, conquering fear is the most fucking important thing in this fucking life is conquering fear, mm -hmm. especially in these violent sports and these violent arenas. You got to conquer fear. And that comes down to fucking every middle moment, every second. And I, and, and I understand the analogy of fear is good. You must have a little bit of nervousness when you go out to the battlefield or go out to c competition. And everyone's, everyone's heard that. And um, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, though. Um, there has to be a point where the human being can get to where they can still operate in their art or go hunt or go to a battlefield with a complete blank mind of having no fear and not playing the what if game. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. It, fear it fear is the it is the what if game. What if I get tired? What if I throw this and mm -hmm. he blocks and hits me back? What if he clips me with this? And what if, what if? And as athletes, you know, you play that what if game. Fucking Yeah. Especially at the high level, you're going to be well behind. That's the thing. That's the thing that the guys at the like high, high level have figured out. They know how to be in the moment, completely in the moment, thinking about in, what's in front of them. You know what I mean? And not thinking about what if, not thinking about what the crowd's saying, how much time's left, just thinking about all that stuff. They're thinking about this guy, just being in the moment. And I think that's powerful, especially with the fucking mindset thing, dude. There's so, I've seen so many guys that are just, their skills aren't that good, but in there they're durable and their mindset's really fucking mean. And Diego they take Sanchez. out skilled motherfuckers. Diego Sanchez just had the longest run in the UFC. A guy who was completely limited skill wise, was but he? had the fucking mindset. I mean, look, look at him. Look what Diego Sanchez did in his career. Look how many wins, how many fights, how well, long you've he trained stuck with around. him, right? Yeah, but you can just tell just from watching him fight that. Yeah, he's not. Like, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't think he landed a single punch on me the entire camp out there mm -hmm. with BJ that last fight. Um, but so. Grappling he's good at, but I mean, as far as the curvature of the sport goes, and I believe MMA has the most progressive learning curve of any sport. Mm -hmm. And Diego's mindset and belief in himself was able to carry him through over a decade of at the highest level. Yeah. You know, and that mindset is so fucking important. That's what Jared has. And that's what makes me a, a fan of his, you know. And, and and I wonder how much of it, too, is like the gene, the good, durable genes to back up the mindset. If you got this great fucking mindset, but your body just constantly breaks down, like how much does that have to do with it too? Man, so this is what the new science that's out there that's fascinating called epigenetics, right? Epi means above or before. And then there's the word the genetics. So what they're finding comes above or before your genes is your thought, is your environment. So genes 100% react to their environment. So what makes mm. up the environment of your genes? It's your diet, your lifestyle, and your thoughts, your thoughts, your thoughts program your entire genetic makeup. So this is so crucial. I believe someone that's lethargic or soft, um, they not to be a dick, but they're not fit for this. Their minds are weak, so their bodies are weak. Mm -hmm. You have a strong mind, you're gonna have a strong body. You will never meet anyone that has a strong mind and a weak body. It, it absolutely will not work like that. Mm -hmm. The physical body is 1000% linked to the mind. and um, I've heard my whole life how mental, or the last 20 years, how, how mental this game is, yeah. how mental MMA is. And I'm just now, after 20 years, at 40 years old, realizing how mental it actually is. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's fucking crazy, man. It comes down to different laws that govern this fucking reality, like the law of attraction that people hear about. And you know, you retract that victory that night, starting off months before, weeks before, and you build up to that night of the fight, and you'll manifest either a victory or a loss based on your mindset, how it's been your entire camp, not just based on your mindset that night. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. It's like, it's training. It's fucking, it's Jedi training. You got to train your fucking mind just like you train your body. Yeah. And, you know? and especially too, just like you envision this fight for so long, but then something completely out of it, something happens in the fight that you, you didn't think about. You're like, holy fuck. And all of a sudden this is not going good. Being able to counter those thoughts too, and be able to climb back and still be offensive after you're fucking fatigued or after you get hit with a hard body shot, still having it in your mind that I can, uh, I can still kill this guy. That 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 is the gold. That is the gold in the, in this sport, and that people aren't even aware of. So, something happens to the human being when we overcome fear. Believe it or not, and I was just talking to the lady next door in that metaphysical store about this. This is going to sound crazy to a lot of people. You you have psychic genes in your DNA right now. Everybody does. Everyone listening to this, you we all do. Jax, you got psychic genes in you. I mean, it's crazy. The only way to unlock these genes, they're encompassed by a protein barrier. Well, there's a certain secretion that's released from your brain when you overcome fear. When the human being is put in the position of fight or flight, and we choose fight over flight, we react with courage instead of fear. Mm -hmm. Something happens to us on a genetic level, and these secret genes that have been in your DNA since birth, um, this... um, This secretion breaks down the protein that's encompassing these genes, therefore allowing them to be turned on, essentially. Or, um, yeah, that makes you sense. Know, it's fucking wild. All these ancient mystery schools, you hear about all these secret societies, all these ancient mystery schools of ancient Egypt, they're built upon this alone, the human being conquering fear. Because something fucking happens to us, we literally upgrade. We make like a DNA activation or a genetic upgrade every time we conquer fear every time you step out of that ring with a victory after getting your ass kicked Mm -hmm. and you're able to you uh, turn the momentum against you uh, towards your opponent and win the fight when you're able to mentally overcome that and succeed in doing it and you walk out of that cage a, a, a victor you are a more advanced human being than you were 15 minutes prior when you walked in yeah. that fucking ring your confidence leveled up your confidence leveled up and your fucking genes leveled up your physical yeah. body leveled up that is fucking crazy. That's literally the symbol of the caduceus. The same symbol that's all over the world in every hospital is the caduceus. It's the, is it the s- DNA going up. You is it I mean? similar when you say you found a hot chick and you ended up scoring her and really fucking her really good and you walk out of there and you're just like, my genes just leveled up. Is it similar? Maybe not as deep of a level. Obviously, fighting's fucking crazy. But yeah. still, you have a similar feeling. It's like, I'm the fucking man, baby. There's something different with that too. I'm learning all about that as well. It's fast. I think I think uh, sex and sexual energy and all is something that they don't teach us and is uh, um, in school. We're, we're taught to, you know, uh, stuff shame it, down. it or, yeah, stuff it down, shame, and we're taught that for a fucking reason. I promise you, um, it's crazy. If you look on all the, what do you think the reason is? It's good. It's gnarly shit. It's gnarly like shit. religious. So you have a well. I even hate that word religious. All mm-hmm. religion is sponsored around it, but, but spiritual, uh, the spiritual um, um, reason for it is we have energy flow through your body. It's crazy. You have energy systems. That, they're known as the chakras. Well, so for the ancient Egyptians, if you look at all the pictographs of these Egyptian gods, the most of them are carrying a staff, and it's a very specific staff. It's a tool called their staff of resurrection, and it's crazy. And this has to do with sexual energy. So you see them carrying this big rod, and it has two prongs in the end. And um, the top of it has a little like S with some rivets in it. And so they would stick this staff, the, they would, the prongs that would stick in the ground and the top of the, uh, 
the rod would stick at the base of their skull where the spine met their skull. And then it would have a tuning fork. And they would put the tuning fork on the rod and it would, it would send a very specific vibration or frequency up your spine, therefore go out throughout your whole body. And the pictures of these, um, you know, these, um, these Egyptian gods or whatever, these netters would have, would have hard-ons after doing this rod of resurrection. And then what they would do with that, I guess you would have to use your willpower to control like the orgasm essentially. And when you did this, it says you would be able to unlock dimensions and unlock all this crazy shit. It's fucking wild, hmm. dude. And every time you see that the, the, the people walking like this and going up a wall, it means there's a switch of 90 degrees and that means they went into another dimension. Hmm. It's fucking crazy shit. And um, they're not teaching that here in the West. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a very powerful thing and I you know shame on the, on the educational systems and all that. And we should be empowering each other. You know what I mean? As a fucking species, as a country, like yeah. we should be learning about this shit and learn how to use it to better our lives and the lives of our species and the planet. Not fucking condemn it and say, oh, if you get sex before married, you're going to go fucking burn in the lake of fire for eternity. That was where yeah. I was raised upon. You know, I was raised Catholic. My yeah. mom was born in Italy, so I was raised hardcore Catholic. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Shit. Or, yeah, you're, or you're with a girl, you're committed to the girl, and you have thoughts about another girl. Wow, that's well, bad. Yeah, still the, that's bad. That's the rod. That's the staff right there. That's it right there. You just saw it. He was just holding it. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. Relationship-wise, yeah. what they teach you in school is super... Well, and communication, and re, I mean, relationships one way or the other, it's really fucking... It's crazy shit. It's crazy shit. And imagine... I don't know. I feel like I could go off about relationships all day, but I've rarely seen a marriage... A relationship be healthy and like stay together forever like i've rarely fucking seen that and if they do then the guy's probably been sneaking around for years under the table and then feeling this guilt about it and like yeah i don't know it's fucking crazy yeah it is it is interesting what's long as you were married um i've never been married oh really? i've never been married um just a few different relationships you know mm -hmm. have some kids so i'm happy with i'm happy with that and um, it's interesting. The psychology of that is always fascinating to me as well. The psychology of sex and, you know, females and how the psychology works between lovers and stuff is always fascinating to me as well. Yeah. I think here in the West, we're taught different, you know, mm -hmm. some cultures have, you know, different, you know, you know, partners and they're, they're fine. They're happy. A lot of people I know, actually the most happiest couples I know, um, they never got married. They're together for decades, but they never got married. Yeah. And I see that a lot more nowadays than actual happily married couples. Yeah, know? for sure. And I think w with that, because like I've been together with Mariah for 11 years and go. it's like, okay, I, we we're together because we choose to be not because we have to go through a bunch of paperwork to get out of here. This is how this is how if, if we didn't want to be together, then we could just decide that right now and go our separate ways. And it's not a huge fucking deal compared to like, you need to get married. You need to get married. You need to go in debt and have your wedding. And then a couple of years later, it's this fucking blow up. Yeah. That's a shame too. I think, I think it's exactly that. I think, um, these little girls are raising this country to want to grow up and have a white picket fence and a husband and marriage and, and marriage, marriage, marriage. They're pushed on this, you know, concept of marriage and it becomes almost like a goal that they have to attain. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of girls and when they, when they find themselves lonely or they get out of a relationship, they become wrecks, mental train wrecks because, oh no, this goal is no longer attainable for me and mm -hmm. maybe society makes them feel so ashamed. But dude, fuck that dude. What these little, what this little girl is meant to be a fucking world champion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some fucking sport. Like that should be our fucking emphasis is building up everyone, empowering everybody to go chase their fucking dreams, dude. Yeah. Not, not find someone and, 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 and rely your happiness on them. 
exactly exactly fuck yeah so what kind of what kind of drugs are your favorite you, you've been messing with some psychedelics and some weed and shit um, um yeah i i'm at a point now in life where i don't i don't really uh i won't take any chemicals or anything that i even barely drink but anything from the earth um well any drugs that self-destruct is that yeah. what it is yeah but more, more more so chemicals right right now I'm, I'm i'm this kick and i will be for the rest of my life is uh stuff from the earth i'm learning i'm obsessed with everything from this planet and and i'm learning about this um spagyrics it's crazy you guys got to research this stuff it's a it's a science within alchemy known as spagyrics and um it's the science or art of separating the mind body spirit of the plant kingdom you can also do the same with the mineral kingdom and the animal kingdom, but there's a mind, body, spirit. These three separate parts that also make up the human kingdom. But spagyrics is the art of separating these, these three, and then through a spagyric uh, chemical process, you put it back in a different form, and it becomes a completely new um, element. It's fucking wild. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is where modern medicine comes from. All medicine. There you go. I, I actually have that book I'm reading right now. Um, but it's fucking fascinating. They, yeah, this um, will be all beyond. Like what he's pulling up will be on the screen for. for the oh, awesome! Oh, well, perfect. Good. Yeah, fucking, it's crazy. So this is where medicine comes from. Like modern medicine isn't supposed to be fucking pills and a fucking made in the lab by guy by guy in a trench coat. Fucking the way this is designed. See, I have that symbol mercury tattooed on my face. That's that's this that's the alchemical symbol for spirit in mm -hmm. alchemy. And so in spagyrics, they separate the mind, the body, the spirit. And they, through a different form, they put it in a different physical body, but it still contains the mind, body, spirit from the original body. That's crazy. Yeah. And then someone looks at you and they hear you talk and they think you're a fucking kook. But yeah. then they'll go to the doctor and then the doctor will say, nope, take this prescription. And then to counter the negative things, we'll take this prescription. Fuck. And then to counter the negative things of that one, we'll take this prescription. And the, and the people look at them like, okay, and just fucking stumble out of there. Dude, and then, and then they're, yeah, they're mental wrecks. They become dependent on that shit. Paracelsus was the first doctor of the Renaissance era. I've been following his work and I'm obsessed with learning about all that stuff. And it's the spirit of these plants, which affects the spirit of us. And that's why I think of smoking weed and even drinking and stuff is interesting because think about it back then they used to say, uh, wine and spirits. They say you're drinking spirits. Well, now learning about this stuff, that there's an actual spirit to these grape vines. Back then they say that the grapes used to be the most complete plant. It was the one plant that all other plants aspired to be because it was the most divine plant. And um, even smoking weed, I think the different highs we get from the different strains, maybe we're inhaling the spirit or the essence of that plant. So it's giving us a different high than a different mm -hmm. strain. You know what and, I mean? Yeah, and then, you, and then you smoke a strain that's like completely organic and grew under the sun compared to a strain that's been sprayed with all these pesticides. Fuck. And then you're like, you get all this anxiety and you're like, I hate weed. Yeah, like, dude, it, maybe the shit weed you're smoking. You fucking know it's different. You've been smoking weed the last 10, 15 years and then you smoke the weed now from these dispensaries. It's fucking different. Yeah. There's a different high. It doesn't last as long and it's something fucking synthetic about it. Mm -hmm. It really fucking is. You know what I mean? It's like you've been eating organic food your whole life, and then boom, all of a sudden, GMO food out of nowhere. You're going to fucking notice a difference how you feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that, that's a big thing, dude. That's just the big thing in the, like, the amount of pesticides that are in the soil that's fucking cooking half your food. Like, the if you try some real organic good food from a farm that's made with good soil you dude the richness and the color of it the richness and the taste of it and you feel you when it goes down in your stomach it's like damn this is right i feel it i guess that's when you when you're in tune with your body a little bit you know what i mean how long you've been eating organic food yeah fuck um 
I did the organic raw food diet for about four years, and I fucking I didn't. Uh, and I'm not gonna eat a big plate or bowl of greens. I'm gonna I drink, I drink my greens. So I have that Blendtec blender. I use mm-hmm. it fucking multiple times a day. But for four years, I did that, and it was incredible. Um, I felt amazing, and that, that, that's when I dropped down from 155 down to 145, then down to 135. Who t- turned you on to like organic food and like, hey, you could eat this like good shit just just learning about it i just i just i became a fucking health nerd and, and just being in the mma being in the industry wanting to learn more and gather and just uh, what's listening to this podcast reading this book and just mm-hmm. it's been a it's been a journey of just collecting data and um then i found about the alkaline the the out the um alkaline diet after doing the raw food diet and came across dr sebi and his work and i'm fascinated with that and how the body responds to that and um, yeah, I, I'm thankful, like same, same for you, like going through these years and years of fighting these years and years of trying different diets. And then like, we've been hungry to learn from podcasts or hungry to learn from other coaches because we're doing it too. And that's kind of where I learned to eat organically. But yeah, I always see on your stories, um, some of the shakes you're making and I'm like, damn, that looks fucking good. Yeah. Man, it just takes a couple ingredients. You know what I mean? I, I do I do a mushroom a protein shake every morning, every night. I do my lion's mane. I got the stamen seven. It's like a you know a and a couple of turkey tail. Um, but it's profound. Just these the way this um, you know God designed this planet perfectly, and we won't even get to what God is and all this stuff. Short little gist of it. What's what we, we'll do it again on a future pod. Yeah, for sure. Um, so. These mushrooms, I mean, fuck, you guys are all in them. Uh, it's it's profound. You guys heard Stamets talk about. It. Actually, you see when Joe Rogan interviewed Paul, and Paul Stamets was, I think, I think he was Joe Rogan's most re- um, requested guest he's ever had. And Paul is fascinating, and um, you hear him talking. He kind of turned me on to mushrooms as well. And um, it's fucking crazy how uh, how our body responds to these things. It's not so much that them that's fascinating, even though they are, and that they're an intelligent, you know. Um, life source but it's how we respond to these things that's what's fucking fascinating yeah it's you know fucking insane i think when it comes to the training and competing too that lion's mane is huge i think you feel sharper you can think more you know um, what's your like go-to brand of lion's mane do you have one or do you just test a bunch of different ones out um i i have like three different ones i go there's a sprouts across the street i'm there fucking literally like three or four times a week and just grab different shit and fuck all my money goes to sprouts whole foods same here that that's how my fun time too is going to the store and fucking. But we living out in Waddell now, so a, uh, to get to a store it's twenty thirty minutes. So I've been kind of instacarting our food, and it's not as good. Damn. But it is crazy when that just shows up on your doorstep. The food you ordered, it's like what the fuck. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that's missing now and, and, and today in the West was making going out collecting your food, and that used to be, that used to be such a process, you know, mm-hmm. going out to hunt or going out to collect some food or going down to the market to get some food and. That food's gonna go bad in three to four days. Now people are going to Costco. They're buying all this bulk stuff, bulk mm-hmm. stuff, putting it, packing it in fridges in their garage, and it's just sitting there. But it's all artificial stuff. There's no life force to that. There's no energy to that, you know. And then and going back to the spagyrics, it's the spirit of this these plant foods that we eat, which heals the spirit of us, which is in turn gonna heal our mind. So I do the, the, uh, uh, a fucking good. Uh, nutritional program just eating smart eating intelligently is going to help your mindset and therefore it's going to help your performances yeah you know I mean? for sure and then people wonder too like what do you mean eating smart how do i know it's like you eat something and a couple seconds after a minute two minutes after you start getting gassy and burpy and you're just like oh well maybe that's not good for you and then the more in tune you get with eating organic and the more the more you're able to do it and stay very hydrated the more you'll be able to eat something and be like damn i 
that wasn't good for me. I feel that. I feel it in my joints. I feel it in the, my fucking brain. I don't feel as sharp. Fuck. I, I didn't sleep as good. Or yeah, it's pretty intense. Your whole body will react to it. They call your your stomach your second brain for a reason. Um, it, it's fascinating. Um, I try to do a lot of uh, alkaline fruits, seeded fruits. They say uh, fruits is the only food group that can go through that you can digest without zero cellular energy. So what's like an al- what's some alkaline fruits? So like anything with seeds, you want to have seed a seed seed is like the signature of God. You know what I mean? A lot of these uh, GMO. Fruits don't have um, seeds. It's even like organic bananas, you want to get the burrow bananas that have the actual, the actual seeds. Um, dragon fruit. I love dragon fruit. Um, Ooh, that one's a good one. So, lot, what do you what do you do with seeds. dragon fruit? You just put it in your smoothie. I'll just um, I'll just go, I'll just put them in the uh, the fridge. I'll go get like usually five at a time. Put them in the fridge and then cut them in half and just eat them with a spoon. Snack. Or, yeah, snack and or or on my way to uh, uh, training or if I'm cutting weight. Hell you know, yeah. But it gives me a good little energy zip and it's super clean and. Again, um, a lot of the fruit you'll kind of pee out or go in your system. It's kind of easy in, easy out, you know, and when it comes to weight cutting, all that stuff's super important. And zero cellular energy to digest, which is huge because now you can spend energy on other things like rest and recovery or mm-hmm. positive thinking or, you know. Yeah. Well, what's kind of, when you're not training, because you probably don't play video games, what do you do when you're not training usually? What's some stuff that you enjoy doing? Just kind of chilling out because you have your baby girl too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm busy um, being a dad and all that stuff too. But honestly, like I'm obsessed with just learning um, this yeah. knowledge. I'm, I'm honestly about alchemy and hermetics, and I'm just scratching the tip of a fucking iceberg right now. And I know more than anyone else that I can even converse with about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of people reach out to me on social media asking me what like lodges I'm from, stuff for stuff from the guys from the Freemasons and these different secret societies, and I'm not part of any of them. So I could go out and, and talk about this stuff and share this stuff, but. Any chance I get to, you know, read and, and absorb and learn something new about this stuff, I, um, I have to. I feel like I have a responsibility to learn about it so I can share it with people. Yeah, and, that's sweet. Have you always had that kind of like, well, well, like hunger to learn, whether it's no. in martial arts? Well, obviously in martial arts, you know, right? Martial arts, yeah. Um, but just martial arts. Like any, all my friends that know, that know me for the last like 20, 25 years, all I ever cared about, honestly, was fighting and girls. That's it. Just fuck going oh, up, fuck yeah. getting in fights, fucking on the weekends, going up, getting bra- brawls with your boys and fucking smashing ass. Like mm-hmm. that's all you care about is fucking girls and fighting for fucking years and years and years, decades. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like a fucking book nerd. Yeah, and it's <laughs> completely different, dude. It's I'm a, I'm a different man than I was fucking ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It's wild, and uh, I I will walk through whatever fire I had to walk through a thousand times with a smile on my face to get the perception and the knowledge that I have now. It's fucking awesome. It is. It's awesome. And um, I just want to apply it. You know, it's. Uh, yeah. And and I think talking about it on podcasts, you, you have your own podcast with. Uh, um, oh, Brendan. Brendan. Yeah. 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 Ascend, Ascended Arts. Yeah. We haven't done one in a while. Fuck. We got to we gotta start doing that. But I think the podcast kind of it almost holds you accountable to to put it into action, put it into action and then be able to talk about it. Cause if you just talk about it, you don't put it into action, then it's just a theory. And it's just like, you're just kind of a fraud a little bit. Yeah. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. And the second one, anyone comes across as a fraud, then their voice loses all validity. Yeah. You know what I mean, and I honestly don't even feel qualified to even talk about alchemy and hermetics and all that. Like, the people that learn this stuff, they're in complete secrecy. They're behind closed doors. They um, don't talk about it? No, dude. So what you didn't learn in school was that Isaac Newton was an alchemist before he was a scientist. The man wrote over a million words on alchemy. But they're not teaching this in the school system. Um, da Vinci, 
Romulus, Galileo, Pythagoras, Vitruvius, Plato, Socrates, all these men write about Hermes or Thoth or this alchemical knowledge in their own right. It's fucking fascinating. Hmm. It's fucking crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy, especially if just, yeah, no one's really talking about it and just... There's yeah, it's crazy. We're we're we this this fucking knowledge has been stuffed under the fucking carpet from us, and it happened back with Emperor Emperor Constantine, three to four hundred A.D. during the the canonization of the New Testament and all that. With a kind of iron fist, he went out and stamped out all this esoteric knowledge. And so, what you got? What got you into looking into this stuff? What was the first time you're like, mm, I'm gonna look into like alchemy? Um, I get asked that question a lot. And uh, what it was is um, before I moved out here to Arizona about six years ago, I, I've just been raised Catholic, you know what I mean? And um, I, just, I was thinking like, okay, all I know is what my mom has told me and what I've been told from raised here in the West. I'm like, what if I was born in a different country? I would have been raised up completely in a different religion. Would mm -hmm. have that made me a different person? That's no. a funny question to ask religious people. You know what I mean? Would I burn in hell because I was born in a different country? I'm like, I'm like, all these people are going to war and killing each other and killing women and children in the name of God, in the name of religion. What the fuck is that about? They're either all incorrect and they're fucking all lunatics, religious lunatics, or... They're all correct, and they're all they're all worshiping the same God, but just things are getting lost in translation. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna set out. I'm gonna read. Five, I'm gonna pick five different religions, and I'm gonna indulge myself in their knowledge for about one year. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say I believe in their religion, but I'm gonna. I want to at least absorb some, the knowledge that they're absorbing. Yeah. So I lifted the five different, you know, Taoism, Buddhism. I was even the Satanic Bible. I was gonna even do, but the the decision to even um, start reading those and going down that path got guided very swiftly and surely to alchemy hmm. and it's been a series of events and honestly I'm, it sounds crazy but psychic things happening psychic phenomena things that i can't explain things happen and appear that other people were there that they witness and um crazy 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 shit um so i know for a fact that i'm on i'm on the right path yeah i know that i wouldn't be experiencing the thing that i'm experiencing if i wasn't researching this stuff mm -hmm. you know what i mean because then i might be afraid of it but because i have the knowledge to digest what i'm experiencing i believe it's happening more and more and more hmm. that's pretty cool that's pretty cool yeah and it's fucking uh it's sweet you're just scratching the surface so it makes makes you look forward to just fucking learning more and i gotta look into it a little bit bro it's fucking crazy i'm telling you so there's there's rumors that fucking Hermes, Thoth, used to appear to fucking um, Tesla in his laboratory, hmm. right? And, and we'll look at Tesla's research. Look, look at his knowledge. Uh, he was a thousand years ahead of his time. You know what I mean? The reason why we're able to do this podcast right now is because of, you know, uh, his, his, you know, work with electricity and energy and all this crazy shit. What's well, I mean? like a good beginner's book for people to check out if they want to just slowly start it? Because half the words you say probably are just going one through or out there. They don't even know some of the words. For sure. So for like sure. dumbing it down for like an 18, 19, 20 year old. For sure. I will. But check, check this out. Um, remember, uh, Hermes would appear to, to Tesla in his lab. Mm -hmm. So freaking two years ago when Bulldog fought out there at, uh, at, at um, PFL, mm -hmm. they're in the, the, the hotel, the New Yorker on the 33rd floor. Coach Crouch sends me a picture of the painting hanging outside Tesla's office. Guess what it's a painting of? What? Hermes. Damn. Oh, okay. I think I think I remember. You know what I mean? That Isn't that fucking stuff. crazy, dude? There's yeah. no way that's a coincidence. Yeah. There's no fucking way. But yeah, for you pe people that are interested in this stuff, um, P. Manley Hall has a um, a great book called uh, the um, Secret Teaching of All Ages that gets into this stuff. Or I would highly suggest the Kabbalion written by the Three Initiates. Um, nice. Or even the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. 
Um, it's crazy. If you guys decide to research this stuff and go, uh, just know that your reality is going to change. What you know as reality will fucking change. I promise you that. That's the book right there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out, boys. So how about the art of sparring I wanted to talk about a little bit. Over the years, because you've been sparring, and you know, you, you've started back in the fucking OG days when we were just young tykes. So back in the OG days, it was just probably like, okay, we're going in there. If you get KO'd, you get KO'd. We're sparring hard. And even still to this day in the at the lab it's not as much as it was before but we used to kill each other yeah. i used to have in my mind sparring a lot of different guys efren escudero different guys i'm like i'm gonna try to ko you that's my goal is to fucking lay you flat right now <laughs> yeah and that's really? ha that was happening a lot in the training but it's it's i think it's changed a little bit and gotten a little bit better but what's your outtake on sparring and how much you should spar um i think we got a good program um at the lab as far as just sparring um doing one kickboxing sparring day and one MMA sparring day a week, you know, so, um, and I like the, I like that the rounds are short. Um, I think you get the good, the, the same simulation, um, more intelligent and more, more safer for the fighter. I think guys, the first 10 years, I would say, maybe five years, depending on the athlete, they yeah. need a lot of hard sparring. They need they need, yes. they need to conquer their, their response time. They need to build that confidence. They need to feel, uh, uh, what, it's, what it's like getting hit. Yeah. Um, I've been part of a lot of hard gyms that, that spar super hard, and, and I understand how we want to protect the fighter, protect the brain, and as you get older and you stick around this sport, you realize how important that is, you know, not doing too yeah. much hard sparring and protecting the brain and laying off. Um, like you said, the, the, at the beginning, too, because if you're just getting into this and you're wanting to start sparring, it's like you can't just spar nice and expect to – you go into a fight – and all of a sudden you have the anxiety of this guy's trying to hurt you now. And the conditioning change, the urgency in your body and your muscles change. So you do, I think, agree. At the beginning, you got to learn to spar. you got to learn to get that grit and that fight from sparring a little bit. You have to. Yeah, and you, you, you've seen, you stick around this sport long enough, and especially from a coach's perspective, you'll see uh, people just develop into fighters from an average drill and seeing how the sparring makes them harder and makes them more confident they walk a little bit taller and both both male and females you see them kind of develop you know it's cool to see these guys i've started off just in my cardio classes and now are on the team in the pro room and seeing them kind of develop and kind of it's cool and you know it's the hard work that they're doing with their their, their teammates and the sparring rounds essentially is mm -hmm. what's making that upgrade more so than anything else yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot of MMA guys don't do fucking bag work. I think it's the one thing that's missing for mm -hmm. most MMA teams is, is fucking heavy bag work. You know that that's that's what builds that explosive muscle tissue. Sitting down, gritting down, just fucking wailing that leather bag as hard as you fucking can, reps after reps after rep. Fucking that's what builds up that explosive muscle tissue. You know what I mean? Fuck yeah. And then you go apply that muscle tissue in the sparring round. Mm -hmm. You know, but you need both. You can't just be shadow boxing, doing some pad work, and then boom, spar. Yeah, you need fucking heavy. You know what I mean? You gotta. It's like building a BB game character. You know, you gotta build up all the different levels and make it fucking. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty fucking badass. So your last fight was a a bare knuckle fight, and that was your first bare knuckle, like where you just yeah yeah first bare knuckle MMA. Yeah, that, I, that was probably pretty interesting. You, but you have you had strong hands throughout your career? Um, yeah, I've always had bony knuckles. Um, fuck, I had I had my wrist fucking fractured too. I guess it was fractured from fucking before the fight. They did the X ray and they said fucking. Uh, it, was, it happened six months prior. It was, yeah, it was probably just healing a little wrong. Yeah, just the, the thumb was either I fucked it up again in the fight bad, but they well, want to fuse and shit. So I, that wasn't because you can see so in the bare knuckles, you can wrap your hand like what, two inches below the knuckles? Yep, two inches below the knuckles and two inches below the wrist. 
Okay. So they give you a whole roll of gauze and a whole roll of tape just for that. Mm -hmm. So I actually felt fucking good. Were you able to make a nice good fist? Fuck yeah. I felt his head fucking pop when I cracked that motherfucker. I fucking dropped him. I think he, I, I kicked him. I think he, I kicked him and then he went to kick me back and then I sat down and hooked him mm -hmm. overhand right and dropped him. And as he was falling, I went up and cracked him with another right hand. I felt it go through his hands and it hit his forehead. Mm -hmm. And I just felt my knuckle like pop his fucking head open. <laughs> like pop is the best word to describe it. Yeah. And he had a big old fucking gash in his head and. So you enjoy you enjoy you enjoyed that. Uh, when are they gonna probably put you on again? You think? Because that's Mazadal's promotion, right? Yeah, yeah, game brand. So I want to be on uh, hopefully number four. I think they're putting the card together for the third show right now. Um, but uh, Jared's got that fight January twenty second against okay. Brunson. So I got to be dedicated to help him get ready for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so after that, uh, uh, I'd like to fight as soon as possible for them. And I love I love the fucking bare knuckle MMA setting. I think it's a I think it's true to form. So yeah, it's we're, savage. We're our fucking sport can't you're made from, for it you know you're made for it and it's different yeah it's different dude i mean it's fucking guys react differently the takedown defense is differently fucking it's different but as far as the overcoming fear and being put in a position of fight or flight which is why i still compete mm -hmm. there's no better platform for it you know what i mean i'm not, I'm not doing this for the money i'm not doing this for the glory i'm not doing it for anything but that feeling becoming a better version of myself yeah. and overcoming fear and um man it's fucking that's right. I had zero nerves. Honestly, I haven't fought in fucking almost two years. I haven't fought in the States in almost yeah. five years because I was over at ACA mm -hmm. fighting overseas. I remember just bouncing around warming up backstage before I went out. I had not one fucking sliver of nerves. Yeah. It was kind of a kind of an eerie thing. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Just... Well, you're a vet. You're a vet now, too, and you're in a room with such fucking savages. Yeah. And then you look at that guy. It's like, this guy can't fucking stand with me. Yeah. You know, so that was fucking pretty sweet. Okay. Um, but dude, I feel like we could chat all day. But you got to get sparring. I got to get sparring. Uh, help out Sugar, and then uh, then keep it popping, dude. Thanks for Heck coming. Yeah, of on. course. Thanks for having me, guys. That was right fun on. chatting. Yes, all sir. right, peace. See you guys.